Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this on Friday, August 13th, 2021. Drew, are, are we a suspicious person? Does Friday the 13th mean anything to you? Or? Not since I made it out alive from that summer camp uh, in Western <laughs> Connecticut, Jim. Um, yeah. Uh... Oh, I was actually managing a theater when the very first Friday the 13th film was made. And I remember the guys at the film booking office in Boston talking about this terrible movie that had been made. I want to say they shot it in the fall. In fact, that's if you're paying attention to the very first Friday the 13th film, the Lees have changed, which, which means that all of the actors are freezing to death when they do these scenes down in the water and that sort of thing. Right. But it was just, God, this terrible movie that uh, Frank, what was his name? Damn it. Um, oh, Mancuso. There we go. All right. Yeah. Who, who made this terrible movie that then made so much money. You know, and it was kind of an Oklahoma land rush to get into making a killing kids at camp movies. But, you know, it was just so funny to talk with the focus film bookie who knew Frank, who knew that he had the script and he got this deal on this empty camp that had finished its season and they shot it quickly there. And who was it that did Scarvino? Who did the... Oh, the, uh, Tom Sir, uh Tom Scarvino, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to talk to him once about jamming the arrow <laughs> through Kevin Bacon's throat and, you know, the whole rig that they set up for that. Um, That's and it, so great. That's and it so was all, all done in a dime and, and made a fortune. So, yeah. Well, when I was when I was writing for the uh, for an independent weekly in Fairfield mm. County, you know, because Sean Cunningham is from Westport. And there's there's a moment in one of the later movies where they mm. pass by a sign that says like Bridgeport and then uh, I think Westport or Bridgeport in New Haven or something. And, and so I had I had done all this work and figured out that I thought that Camp Crystal Lake was in Fairfield, Connecticut, which is where I was living oh. at the time and wrote this whole thing and, you know, yep. talked to to people. So it's, I, I think the franchise is a lot of fun and it's always good to have an excuse to watch it. And, you know, Friday the 13th is here. Well, no, 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 it is. It is. It is. You know, and just and, and in fact, what would Betsy Palmer, who played the mom? So good. Did it affect? I think they got her for a day. And yeah, I think she was in a Broadway show. At no, the time. no, that, yeah, that, that's exactly. And you know, she she you know then made a very good living, you know, making appearances as horror cons for the rest of her life. But how did you spend your your Friday the thirteenth? Just working, Jim. Okay. And, and now okay. I'm talking to you. So this is the this is the scary part. Jim. Oh well, there we go. Who very scary. Ooh. I spent my Friday working as well, and I watched all three of the How to Stay at Home Goofy. I don't even think you can call these shorts. They're not even long enough to be shorts, right? Uh, yeah. Vignettes? Somebody on somebody on Twitter today said I thought I had sat on the remote. <laughs> uh, that's how short they, they are. They are like like. Maybe 60 seconds each. Mm, yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. I went into these really wanting to like them because, of course, they're, they're from Eric Goldberg and they're produced by Dorothy McKim and, you know, two great pros. But they're kind of toothless, aren't they? Yeah, there's just not there aren't really any gags, per mm. se. They're just sort of interstitially 
you know, material. I don't know. I mean, I, I thought the animation was beautiful. I love mm-hmm. that, that Eric and uh, our buddy Mark Ken uh, mm-hmm. are working on these. But no, 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 you're I mean, right. I was I was very excited, Jim, mm-hmm. and I was uh, a little disappointed. Well, I I have to say, it, it, you know, it on in a weird sort of way, it wasn't fair to drop, for example, how to cook on the exact same day that the new Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse short Bell Boys debuted, mm-hmm. which has crazy wonderful stuff in it where goofy is cooking yes with bread with bread <laughs> yes you know in fact that, that, that's the thing the cooking joke actually tags that particular short to go from watching the three how to stay at home things which mildly entertaining to see, seeing bell boys or for that matter i heart mickey i i would pay good money now to watch chris i uh, uh no uh, diamantinopolis the voice of Mickey for the, the Paul Ruddish shorts, if I got that mm-hmm. right. Okay. I would pay good money to watch this guy in the booth because some of his line readings in the short today, it's, it's they make music with their mouths. And <laughs> like, yes, I love his like delivery where it's sort of worried and also, oh God, no. you know, it's so great. And in fact, in a weird sort of way, I really feel bad for Brett Iwin, who's the other Mickey. Brett does wonderful work, but he is, he's the corporate Mickey. He's the, you know, whereas Chris is just having fun. What do you think of, uh, of Caitlin Robrook? Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it was only today I made a point of, of reading the credits in the shorts because it's like, that's Rusey. That's got to be Rusey. Just it was so on the money, but at the same time, it was the same level. It was the same energy. And they, and her line readings were just as funny as Chris's stuff. For me to watch the How to Stay at Home stuff on the same day that Bell Boys and I Heart Mickey debuted, I just it was kind of cruel and unusual because those were genuinely funny. Those were generally entertaining. All I can really say about the three vignettes, short shorts, whatever we're calling them, but they were they were good looking. They were professionally produced, but tame. Yeah, I I wonder how much money they gave him. They were like, here's a couple of bucks. See if you can make Goofy do something at home, okay? Why don't you just take care of it? You know, I don't think there was a lot of support, maybe, for this. I guess so. so. But again, you don't... Tame is not a word you want to use with a Goofy short. I agree. All right. Anyway, that's how we spent uh, uh, Friday the 13th. Okay, Uh, let's get to the news now. And speaking of which, the news portion of today's fine-tuning is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. So, Drew, you sent this story along just an hour or so ago as we were locking in topics to talk about this week's show. So, I guess Deadline was the first to report this about Emma? Yeah, and what's really interesting, and we'll talk about this in just a minute, is did you mm. notice that it was her her management that broke the story? Yeah. They were the ones that confirmed it? Yeah. Which to me says, don't worry, Miss Stone is getting paid exactly what she deserves. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you and I both heard that after the Scarlett Johansson kerfuffle mm-hmm. um, that... Emma was looking into possibly uh, suing Disney along the same lines, and that is not the case because she's she's coming back, Jim. The weird part of it is we'd heard that this was potentially in the, the works. Right. In fact, I think it was a week or so after the film originally debuted, 
May 28th, and again, that was in theaters as well as on, on Disney+, Plus. thanks to the premium access feature. But Craig Gillespie, the director, is coming back. Uh, Tony McNamara is supposedly working on the script. And as you mentioned, you know, give it a miss. Managers chimed in, Ms. Stone will be there. Yeah. But I think, again, you and I both were hearing, you know, the same things. And the trades were also mentioning that it appeared for a time that Emma Stone, you know, potentially would follow Scarlet's route, likewise Emily Blunt. But what was interesting for me today, people who paired this Emma Stone being locked in for the Corolla sequel pointing out that, hey, Dwayne Johnson this whole time has been talking about how happy he is with what Disney's been doing with Jungle Cruise, the theatrical release, as well as it being available on Disney Plus through the premium access thing. So you know, the insinuation there is, of, well, of course, if Dwayne's happy, Emily's, you know, Ms. Blunt is happy. So Right. Know. And they've referenced their renegotiating their deals. And the other thing that's different about Jungle Cruise is mm-hmm. from what I, what I understand is that Dwayne The mm-hmm. Rock Johnson was very instrumental in having it be a dual release since he and his entire family actually contracted COVID last summer. You know, that this was something that was very important to him so that families could see it however they are comfortable with watching movies. And so, you know, when the star slash producer of the movie is the one really leading the charge, I think that that kind of takes care of a lot of the fears on the, the performer's side of things. No, 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 I get that. I do. But uh, yesterday we had the earnings call where, mm-hmm. you know, Bob Chapek kind of modulated what he was saying in regard to the, the pandemic Disney plus situation, but still seemed to sort of dig in his heels about Scarlet. I also had somebody reach out today to basically say that, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror movie has been placed on hold while they look for new talent. Have you heard anything about that? Or? I saw something from some very dodgy website, but okay, uh, it, it w- let me just say that what mm. I've know what I know about that project is mm. that it would be a real shame if it didn't happen. Okay. Um, and the filmmaker that was attached, who has not been announced yet, mm. has very close ties with Scarlet as well, so. If she walks, I think this filmmaker will probably walk too, which is a shame. So mm-hmm. I don't know, but I've heard that Josh's script is really amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't okay. know. I really want I want I want all that to come back together. And Jim, you and I know that as soon as the check is written, that'll <laughs> happen the next day. You know, it's not. I'm not that worried. Um, but no, no, I get Disney that, needs to soften not. their stance a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, but again, that's the thing of living in this now resurging pandemic world. And in fact, that was what was interesting about Chapek talking about, you know, uh, you know, we didn't think we'd be dealing with a resurgence, you know, especially, you know, what we're dealing with in Florida. And speaking of how the resurgence is impacting other aspects of the entertainment industry, what do you make of this scuttlebutt about Hotel Transylvania 4 potentially on the move? Yeah, well, we, I mean, we've been watching this just in terms of the showdown between Hotel Transylvania and Adam's Family 2, right? Yeah, I mean, that's one way of avoiding that, but it doesn't seem outside of the realm of possibility. We just saw Carnage, Mm -hmm. uh, or uh, Venom 2, Let There Mm -hmm. Be Carnage, pushed back. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Paw Patrol movie is also a simultaneous release on Paramount Plus, which I didn't even know until I saw a billboard yesterday. Hmm. Did you know that, Jim, that the Paw Patrol movie is 
is on Paramount Plus the same day. I came across that just tonight, though. What was weird is that I was in Target earlier today, and it was just fascinating to see the huge display behind the merch that debuts with this film. And what was funny is that they were putting up the Paw Patrol end cap, but they created space for that end cap as they were pulling down the Space Jam A New Legacy stuff, which I thought was like, wow, you know, you, you so rarely see this in real time. Thank you. Goodbye. Right. Given how many films has Sony Pictures Animation wound up selling to Netflix at this point? Or what, Mitchell's versus the Machines. Wish Dragon, and of course, Vivo, we were just talking about that last week. So it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, yeah Netflix seems like the likely home mm. for it. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, with Disney's whole deal with getting Sony movies in the second window, mm-hmm. uh, the home video window, I am sure they would not be super happy with that because they want Hotel Transylvania on the platform. Mm-hmm. There's been mm-hmm. a long-running animated show on the Disney Channel. You know, it, it makes a lot of sense. So Very true. Very true. You know, I don't know. That brings to mind the whole deal with Free Guy. Did you see the, you know, the story to the effect of that before... Free Guy can make its way over to Disney Plus. It has to do a stint on HBO Max. Yes. Well, I I didn't even read that article, Jim, because I already knew that. And I was Ah. telling somebody that last night because somebody asked me, why isn't Free Free Guy just going to Disney Plus? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, (laughs) there's this stupid HBO deal, which is Mm -hmm. why, you know, I don't think um, the new mutants has shown up on Disney Plus yet or anything. So, you know, it's it's a. It's a process, but... But it, it's such a, a bizarre landscape now. You know, I yeah. mean, when it, when it comes to... Especially with these, these giant corporations and now with each of them with the streaming services. Kind of brings us to our next story. You dug this one up of the the giant SpongeBob-related renewal where it was like 52 brand new episodes ordered, but that's spread across three different shows? Yeah. The other thing that I was wondering was... It says 52 episodes, mm-hmm. but we know that that the SpongeBob show and I believe the Patrick Star show and I know Camp Coral, those are all two 11-minute sections per episode. So we're talking yeah. much more animation than they probably are uh, announcing now. So It's 13 episodes of The Mothership, the original SpongeBob show. It's 13 episodes of the Patrick Star show, but that's actually... 13 episodes tacked on to season one. They they picked up the, they used to call that the back nine, right? They had an yeah. agreement for 13 and they picked up 13 more. And then the 26 ep- episodes of Camp Coral, that's the same thing, only it's 13 episodes for season one and then 13 episodes for season two. Yeah. I mean, the way, you and I have talked about this before, but mm. the way that, that sh- the animated shows are coming out on streaming too is insanely bizarre. And, you know, it'll be like 18 months and it'll be the sixth season of some, you know, DreamWorks animated show. Not to jump ahead, but they announced, you know, when season two of Kid Cosmic is coming back, mm-hmm. which I may or may not have seen some episodes, Jim. And I may or may not say that they're just as wonderful as the first batch. But they also greenlit it. They announced that the a final third season was also greenlit. But you and I both know that they just made all of these at the same time. Yeah. And they're just, you know, parceling them out over the next however many months. So, you know, this distinction of 
episode. Like, they announced that Housebroken Season 2 is coming out, but I guarantee you that the Housebroken episodes that are going to be for Season 2 were produced at the same time as the first one. Oh, no. So it's oh, just no. it's just crazy. The but, whole landscape is nuts. Again, you know, I'm happy for Mr. McCracken that there's going to be a third season. Is because there were those of us who were still mourning the fact that you know Wander Over Yonder didn't get a third season. Hey, at least it's on Disney Plus, Jim. Yes, it's since May of this year. So yes, I will take things where I can get them. I'll be gracious about it. Which now brings us to Seth MacFarlane's most recent comment. I guess this was set in motion. This latest sort of Twitter ker- kerfuffle. Seth MacFarlane saw Tucker Carlson on Fox News and thought what Tucker said that night was so egregious. This is what he posted, that Tucker Carlson's latest opinion piece once again makes me wish that Family Guy was on on any other network. And it's like, look, Fox, we both know this marriage isn't working anymore. The sex is only once a year. I don't get along with your mother. And well, I've been having an affair with NBC. That refers, of course, to the deal that McFarlane cut with NBC Universal back in January of 2020, which was everyone thought was huge until... The Trey Parker, Matt Stone deal got announced just last week. What did you think of that, Drew? First of all, it's going to be very hilarious for them to be playing the underdog when they have made almost a billion (laughs) dollars. Which, from what I understand, you know, it was... (laughs) There was an option that they were actually going to sell their company altogether for more than a billion dollars. And so... Yeah, and I read a report that said, like, basically they chose the mortgage instead of the sale, so they Mm -hmm. are still in charge of everything. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's like, what this deal encompasses is insane, if -hmm. you've looked at it. It's like 14 movies, they're going to do a horror movie, they're going to do some deep fake stuff. I mean, it's crazy how much stuff they're going to... So yes, $900 sounds like a lot, Mm -hmm. and... To you and I, Jim, it is the moon, but we're going to get a lot of content out of this, and it's well, going to no, give a absolutely. lot of content to um, to Paramount Plus, right? Which mm-hmm. is what really what they really need, especially mm-hmm. after HBO Max signed that huge deal, I think two years ago, to have all of the South Park episodes on on that platform. So mm-hmm. Paramount Plus needs they need some stuff. But you you follow around with a number of these shows. I mean, for example. Fox has renewed Family Guy through its uh, 21st season. It's just finished its 19th. So that puts us through 2023. This deal that Matt and Trey just signed with uh, Viacom CBS also extends South Park's run on Comedy Central to 2027. That's the 30th season of the show. And just in case you're wondering... The Simpsons earlier this year got renewed for season 33 and 34. That's two years out from here. And and when they complete that deal, there will be 750 half hour long episodes of The Simpsons, which would be a lot for Goofy to binge. That one was particularly lame, by the way, of the the how to (laughs) to stay at home. That one, I just didn't. (laughs) It was one gag done poorly. Right. I was really surprised. In fact, you know how I I entertained myself during the show? I actually went back and stopped for him to see, oh, well, look, Goofy went to the bathroom and he did wash his hands. You know, he's literally has a little green towel, which he throws back into the bathroom. Well, Jim, this is not in our show notes, but did you watch What If? 
Yes. Yes, I did. Now, how great was that? Come on. I genuinely loved that from start to finish. Between the way it was right, written, the, the fact that they brought back how many people from the original film? I mean, even Dum Dum McDonough, you know, the, the, the yep. actor. It's been 10 years since he did anything for Marvel. I, in fact, for me, it was intriguing that the only person who didn't come back was actually Chris Evans, which yeah. didn't, in February of this year, didn't, it wasn't all this talk about how Chris is coming back, that they were cutting some sort of a deal for him to come back and do some more Captain America stuff, and he was supposed to be able to direct, and so it's like, you couldn't get him to say the five lines? I know. Some of these lines do feel like they were recorded in a broom closet between setups, I will say that, but... Mm. I've seen three of these episodes, and mm-hmm. next week's, Jim, you are going to lose your mind. It's so good. Aww. It is just really one of the more special MCU things I've seen in a while. So I'll I'll be eager to hear you and Aaron talk about it Can't uh, on wait. the next episode. Can't wait. Oh, and speaking of folks who have done stuff for the, the MCU, Adris Elba, you dug up this story today as well, how he's joined the voice cast of Sonic 2. As Knuckles, right? Yeah, I didn't. I, I don't think we even knew that Knuckles was going to be in this one, did we? We knew Tails was going to be in it, but this isn't a case of uh, Adris slumming because he did Chief Bongo in Zootopia, Shere Khan in the Jungle Book, the the live action, the the Favreau in 2016. And why am I blanking the character of Fluke? In Finding Dory, who is Fluke? Well, Jim, you clearly are not a Wire fan mm-hmm. because this is the character he voiced alongside Dominic West from mm. The Wire. They mm. were the two sort of uppity seals on um, the rock that would yes. always yell okay. at the no, others. No, yeah. no, See, the problem is I fixate on the gags. So I, I remember about the one with the bucket, you know, yes, or the Gerald. Gerald, yes, Gerald, you yes. know, so. The other thing, you know, Adris is coming on late. I mean, Sonic 2 is in the can. I mean, it's shot in Vancouver and in Hawaii in March and June of this year. So he's stepping into a booth and, you know, recording the voice work much later, right? Or... Yeah, I mean, listen, Jim, as long as there are Canadian animators who can uh, do this stuff in their living room, you know, that will be fine. It'll be up to the minute, but, you know. It'll it'll be okay. Did you did you watch Idris in uh, Suicide Squad? Yes, yes, I did. James Gunn is a national treasure. Yes, that film has a surprisingly high body count, but that's actually half the fun. Yes, and if this he did this on his first pass in the DC world, I'd love to see him take another run at it. This one was fun, whereas the you know the first Suicide Squad film had an amazing cast, but I don't want to get into the Schneider cut world again where it's you know in fact wasn't it, the directors all but said that this is not the movie i made right or, right yeah so. i mean when you when they got the people that cut the trailer to come mm-hmm. in and cut the movie mm-hmm. you know that was not that was not in anybody's uh vision board to, mm-hmm. to have that happen so mm-hmm. yeah this is true all right well enough about dc just this past Yesterday, right? You went to the to the Disneyland. Is that right? Um, I did. I did. I I went back, Jim. I went back to the scene of the crime. Yes. Okay. Well, I want to quiz you about what you saw, but first, we got to take a break. This is the first time you had been back to the Disneyland Resort since that '80s night thing, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, which was in January, which... Of 2020, right? 2020, yeah. It was the night after Minnie's Moonlit Madness. So I stayed up all night to do that. And then I came back the next day and stayed up all night at the 80s party. Uh, Okay. Yeah, it was a lot. But it was great, um, you know, and uh, held me over, I guess, until now, which... um, it was fun. It was a little, things are still a little weird out here. I feel mm-hmm. very, you know, it, getting jammed into the the Haunted Mansion mm-hmm. stretching room with a bunch of strangers. Not my favorite thing, Jim. But uh, yeah, for, now, the, did, for the most part, it was great. You, did you just stay in the one park, Disneyland, or did you make no, it? No, we, we, we park hopped at the designated time, you mm-hmm. know, so... I really give it up to the cast members. There is clearly a... Mm-hmm lack of support on that that side of things mm-hmm. i i feel like many of the attractions were way understaffed compared mm-hmm. to what they normally are just in terms of you know at switchbacks and leading people the right way and all mm-hmm. that stuff so i just hope that they get the kind of support that they deserve um sooner rather than later out there got it got it over at dca did you did you get a chance to scope out the new mickey's philharmagic and the coco thing or i didn't get to see it yeah i i'm gonna save that i think we're going to the um to one of the boobash or whatever no. they're called out here so i will mm-hmm. save that for there and, and and i will give you my full report okay okay did we make it into the avengers campus or we walked through it you know for a former circuit city gym i think it looks great um <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. A lot of, uh, not a lot of shade and not a lot of theming. Um, but, wow. uh, you know, there were a lot of very long line to stand somewhat close to Loki. I, I didn't get to do Web Slingers, so I will be doing that in the not too distant future. But uh-huh. if I was Kevin Feige, I would be upset that that was my land when there is a 14 acre Star Wars land across the street, you know. But okay. I, I yeah. just want to say, honestly, one of my proudest moments in, in knowing you is the day I wandered into a Target and there was literally a standee for the film. And there, as part of the elaborate standee, was a pull quote from a Drew Taylor talking about how wonderful Coco was oh yes that's right and i have to say for a former best buy i just don't see that as being the pull quote (laughs) for the the avengers campus but maybe some forward thinking you know disney marketing executive well well, wait a minute let's put a new spin on this so i I gotta say i I can't really judge it more than just you know walking through it because it was just so hot and Hmm. i didn't need a giant impossible meatball at the time or anything so we will. I will. We'll put a pen in that until I okay. can really explore. Okay. Yeah. Also, uh, please talk about what you were wearing for the day and how people reacted. Well, first of all, Jim, I have to tell a story about going into Disneyland. Okay. I ran into none other than animation legend Bob Peterson. Whoa. Literally, I was behind him as we were going into Disneyland. So I stopped him and said hello, and you mm. know, I'm sure he was like, "Who is this weirdo who mm. can identify me?" Even in a mask, there is something wrong with you. I mean, the person I was with was like, throughout the rest of the day, kept saying, I can't believe you recognized Bob Peterson. You know, so that was really great. But I had on, I had a shirt on that he appreciated and made note of at the, at the very beginning of the day, which was I had a Luca shirt mm-hmm. on. And um, throughout the entire day, people were telling me how much they loved my shirt. There were kids that were just screaming Luca at me as I walked by. So... The Luca love is real, Jim. It's out there, and it's it's real. 
my daughter uh, came out and visited me last month. And as she was leaving, uh, as Alice often does, it's like, oh, dad, could you send me this book of yours and that book of yours and this book? So I have reference back in L.A. So uh, and one of the things she pointed to and wanted was my copy of The Art of Luca. And so I'm, I'm a good dad. I, I packed it up along with The Art of Rhea. And, you know, but I also arranged to get replacement copies of The Art of Rhea. And likewise, uh, I think she took the my two most recent volumes of they drew what they wanted, you know, the, those his, uh, concept arts or the They drew as they pleased. We don't want to get an e- e- angry email from DDA. You know? Okay. Yes. Wonderful yeah. books, by the way. <laughs> but replacing the Luca book, I can't do that till the middle of September. Whoa. Yeah, they are on back order at this point. That evidently, the Luca love isn't just for shirts, isn't just for toys, it's also for the book. The book has gone clean everywhere and even the we think we can deliver to by the middle of september wow yeah that's great yep listen if, if you can't get the luca book you know you can always get the onward book um, you can. it's usually you can. highly on sale so yep. you know pick that one up if you want by the way i i should mention that fully a year ago i sent alice her copy of the art of onward i have been supportive Okay, good. So she did good. need to steal mine, which, by the okay, way, I got good. back and is a lovely autograph, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Speaking of animated features and theme parks and that sort of thing, you've also been to Universal Studios Hollywood, and you've also been on the Secret Life of Pets ride off the leash, right? Or- yes, and I want to thank Universal for letting me check that out. Um, mm-hmm. They were very nice to give me a nice you know, Wednesday morning ticket to go mm-hmm. Check it out, and I hadn't been to Universal even longer than than Disney, so that was a real thrill to get to to go to the park. And um, okay, now yeah. when was this? This was three weeks ago. Okay, at this point. Okay, yeah. I don't know if you've seen the footage of this, but there was actually a small fire at Universal Hollywood. I saw the footage. Yes, I mean, you know, you know this, Jim. I lived like down the street. No, no, that's exactly. I figured if anybody had seen this footage, in fact, it's a fire that happened at night, and the news crews got like were in just the right spot because in the exact same neighborhood where Secret Life Pets off the leash. In fact, this is the the Illuminations neighborhood, right? Because it's like yes, uh, Minion Mayhem and Super Silly Fun Park or whatever that is. That's on Minion Way, but that's at the corner of Pet's Place, which is where, I guess, right across the street is is where the, the off-the-leash ride is, right? Yes. Okay. Correct. But on the back of the building for Despicable Me, Minion Mayhem, they have a giant one-eyed Minion who, again, the way they, they built it, it sort of appears to be staring over the Frankenstein parking garage down on the, on the 101, right? The, the, the highway yeah. down there. But there's a small fire, evidently, in the parking garage. So the news crews are at the bottom of the middle shooting up at Universal. And what they can see is it looks like King Kong because the smoke is billowing out of the parking garage. <laughs> you know, and you've got the orange light of the fire and they're, you know, clutching the roof of the Frankenstein building, surrounded by billowing smoke is the giant minion. And it's like, if the publicity department didn't start they, this fire, they should have. Right. It, it made for a great image, great footage, but no sign of damage or anything, you know. No, no. Okay. I mean, I'm convinced that minion is a NSA probe of some kind that's just <laughs> monitoring the entire San Fernando Valley. But uh, um, <laughs> okay, all right. So so you go in on a Wednesday morning. This is on the upper lot. You you hike back to the 
uh, Illuminations neighborhood. And this, as I understand it, off the leash, starts off great. It's it's got an amazing cue, right? Or oh, there are more animatronics in the queue than mm. there are in all of Galaxy's Edge and Avengers Campus combined. I mean, it is insane how many animatronics there are. And what's really cute is you you're in a Manhattan apartment building and you go through different people's apartments and Mm -hmm. they're all laid out in different ways. And it's just really, really clever and really fun and really puts you in that world um, in a really nice way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's really impressive. Okay. And is it, uh, you go up into the building or, I mean, how do you get to the, the load unload area? Yeah, I think you go up. Yeah. There are stairs at one point, I believe. Yeah, I didn't really linger that much because it was the first thing in the morning and I was, it was sort of a walk on for Mm -hmm. me. So, but it was, it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, what Universal Creative did with that is just astounding. The ride itself has kind of a unique gimmick. Can you talk a bit about that or? Yes, you're, you are sort of, you are a pet that is needing, it's on adoption day. The whole Mm. thing is set on adoption day. So you are sort of trying to be on your best behavior while there is all this wackiness going on with all the pets from the two movies. Mm -hmm. I thought the ride was going to be a trackless ride vehicle, but it's not. It's a pretty traditional, almost Mm -hmm. Omnimover system. Mm -hmm. And it has a really kind of heart-tugging gag at the end. Mm -hmm. They're kind of twist on the Haunted Mansion where you're adopted by Mm -hmm. a couple. It's sort of the inverse where, you know, the other characters are sort of adopting you. And I think I was adopted by a nice biracial lesbian couple, Jim. So if you need me, please talk to my two moms. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) When this attraction was initially in development with Universal Creative, in fact, what's kind of intriguing is they began development work on it before the first film came out in 2016. They were going to build two of them at the exact same time. They're going to be trackless. And one was going to go into Universal Studios Florida, and one was going to go into Universal's Hollywood. And somewhere along the, the, the way there, it became one vehicle and a more traditional ride system. But at the same time, they took advantage of the fact that, okay, we're going with a trackless system, which is obviously costless, or, or a tracked system rather than a trackless. But it meant they could pour more money into the ride itself. And so... There were some some very elaborate set pieces, aren't there? Or yeah, I was really impressed with you know people always give Universal grief for mm-hmm. the amount of screens that their attractions use, but mm-hmm. I thought that the use of screens in this one, along with projection mapping and mm-hmm. animatronics, was really interesting. There's mm-hmm. a gag that you might have seen, Jim, online where the main dog is getting a bath, mm-hmm. and so you see him sort of out of the water at the top of the the tub and then when he goes down underneath the water it's it transitions to a screen and you see him moving around and then you know it's sort of a circular thing and it's Mm -hmm. just really really cool and really impressive and um yeah i was really astounded by that the the way that the technology sort of mixes and and matches and i know you you had told me that there were some some problems with Sort of keeping all the gags going, but at the time that I saw it, it was pretty. It was pretty together. Through no fault of, of Universal Creative, this ride was originally supposed to open on March twenty seventh, two thousand twenty. In fact, they were in the middle of press previews when the pandemic reached critical mass, and 
Universal Hollywood closes uh, on March 14th of, of last year. And the park doesn't reopen till April of the following year. And frankly, that's a thing. You can't leave an attraction shut down for that long amount of time without things going a little bit south. But my understanding is they got the glitches dealt with fairly quickly. They took advantage of the fact that they had this thing that was paid for. And, you know, the next year's budget came along. And then they used it to plus the uh, Illuminations neighborhood with that. Uh, it, it, in fact, did you get to see the Snowball Interactive while you were there that morning? Or No. Or, where Where is that? It's actually in, uh, evidently, it's around the corner. I mean, the insinuation. I saw the line. I saw, oh, yes, I've, I've seen videos. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he was up yet. I okay. think he was still sleeping. But there yeah. we go. But yeah. you know the notion of we can do this in the same neighborhood. And oh, by the way, do do they do the? I know that they the gift shop, which I guess is called the pet store. Do we exit through the gift shop, or is it across? We do. The, uh, yeah, we do. We you know, you need once you're adopted, Jim. You know, you need those. You need those extra things for your dog, your mm-hmm. your toys and bedding and all that stuff. And there was a lot of cute stuff that were like. Very cute um, ice cream novelties that were kind mm-hmm. of shaped like different characters. Mm-hmm. And you and I, Jim, will appreciate this, that that Harrison Ford once again appears in a theme park attraction, but <laughs> but does not speak. Uh, <laughs> there is, um, yeah. you remember his, he was kind of a gruff dog in the mm-hmm. sequel. He was, which, he was. Uh, yeah. But he does not talk. He is just, he is just standing there, which it just made me laugh because... As I was telling somebody at Disneyland yesterday, I said that mm-hmm. if I was on working on the next Indiana Jones, I would just bring my iPhone mm-hmm. and go up to Harrison Ford in between setups and say, can you just say tourists? Why did it have to be tourists? <laughs> and we can just get this national nightmare over of the horrible <laughs> non-Harrison Ford voice in the uh, Indiana Jones adventure. But Yeah. No. So Harrison Ford, not speaking in theme park attractions since 1995. There we go. There we go. Oh, I, I, I have to ask, did, did we get anything for Nova before we headed back to the house? Or No, we didn't. Nova, she recently got a Baby Yoda toy, Jim, that I did not quite realize was as big as it, it turned out to be. But it's about a half her size. But she still, she still loves it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. All right. Is that on her social media account, by the way? Or? No, she needs. I, I will send you a picture just to show okay. Nancy before before it shows shows up on her social media. But yeah, no, she's a she's a sweetheart, and it it really does make you like want to go home and hug your dog because it's mm. uh, it's very cute. But I wonder if they were disappointed <laughs> that this thing came out after the sequel was released and didn't quite do what they had wanted yeah, it to, right? Yeah. In fact, I, I have been poking at folks at Illumination, because face it, you know, there was the holiday special in between. And this attraction uh, has been well-received, and there are discussions of taking the Illumination's neighborhood concept to Florida, and which is a polite way of saying, if you like Shrek 4D, now might be a good time to go write it. But I assume that Illuminations, given what they've done with the Despicable Me films, is like, so is is there another Secret Life of Pets coming? And it's just sort of like, we're talking with the folks at Peacock, was all that they would say, which I thought was kind of interesting. So Right, right. Um, okay, folks, I guess that's going to do it for this week with fine-tuning. Uh, Drew and I will be with back 
with a brand new show next week. But if you are looking for something genuinely wonderful and entertaining to listen to before the next installment of this show's shows up, I cannot recommend highly enough Light the Fuse. What do we talk about this week? Uh, this is our second interview with Gre- uh, Greg Pro- Greg Powell, sorry, mm-hmm. who was the uh, I think he was a stunt coordinator on the first Mission Impossible. So mm-hmm. he also has just an amazing career. And so we this this episode this week we kind of go through some other stuff, including mm-hmm. Bond and Harry Potter and some other stuff. So if you are interested in Really, any kind of modern-day blockbuster, definitely check it out. It's really fascinating. He's a really cool guy. And, yeah, we've got some, we've got some good ones coming up. One of the the guys who worked on the special features for the Mission Impossible 3 Blu-ray, he was, like, videotaping Tom as he was doing all these crazy uh, publicity things. There was a, a day that he was in uh, New York, and he... Mm wanted to arrive at the premiere by air, sea, and uh, land. So he had all these crazy stunts worked out. And this was just for a premiere. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, but So, yes, you'll hear all about this very soon. Can't wait. Can't wait. Okay, well, go check out Light the Views. And also, we have a couple of podcasts over here as well. We got uh, Disney Dish with Lentesto. We got Marvel Us Disney, the, the podcast that I do with Aaron Adams. We also have Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. I'm reaching out to him this weekend so we can get a new one of those going. Beyond that, if you could do Drew and I a favor, if you get over, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review not only the show you're listening to right now, fine-tuning, but also Light the Fuse, uh, that would be helpful. If you could head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, also helpful. Again, I know I say this every show, but if you're not following Drew on social media, you're missing out on some wonderful content and uh can you tell folks how they can find you get away in in that part of the internet sure uh you can follow me at drew tailored like a tailored shirt on twitter and instagram that's where i do most of my bloodletting so yeah (laughs) check it out (laughs) and i I, i'm sorry i do most of my bloodletting when i go outside and get consumed by the deer flies but uh let's see you can find us on twitter and instagram is Jim Hill Media, and on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. And again, you've had a busy week, so go rest. And uh, we'll be back here next week to talk about more animation.